This is Short-Term Rental Management, the show that is all about short-term rental property management with your host, yours truly, Luke Carl. This episode of The Short-Term Show is brought to you by The Short-Term Shop. If you're interested in buying a short-term rental in one of the top vacation markets in America, just go to theshorttermshop.com and click Get Connected with an Agent. If you purchase a home with the shop, you'll have access to all of our client-only benefits, such as training on how to manage your short-term rental. So we'll teach you everything you need to know from how to set up your Airbnb and Burbo listings to how to use the property management software that you'll need to streamline your business, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners, handy people, etc. We've taught thousands of people just like you how to buy and manage their vacation homes from anywhere in the world. So head on over to the shorttermshop.com and click get connected with an agent to get started. I do have to mention that we're brokered by EXP or else I get in trouble. We'll see you guys over there. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to short-term rental management with Cashflow Carl, long-haired Luke. And I am uh, today, I have uh, a great panel of, of two professional uh, managers. So it's appropriate that you guys, uh, you came to the right show, you know? So uh, you guys are, uh, we're going to talk mostly today about third-party property management because that's what you guys do. Uh, and I, I know you have your own properties as well. So uh, without further ado, I'll turn it over to Dave first because I've met you in real life before. So Dave uh, and then Mark, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you're at and, uh, and what, your, uh, what your real estate uh, venture looks like today. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Luke. Uh, thanks for having us here, too. Uh, this is awesome. Um, my name is Dave Stokely. Um, I'm here with my friend and business partner, Mark Vondrak. We have a, um, a short-term rental management company based in Cleveland, Ohio. It's, it's kind of funny to hear us described as the professionals because four years ago, we started out like everyone else <laughs> without a clue what we were doing, um, and we've learned a lot along the way. So, yeah, we manage properties um, anywhere within about an hour of Cleveland uh, at this point in our company's history, at least. And uh, yeah, I'm Cleveland born and raised, live in a suburb of Cleveland. Um, you know, we're big outdoors people, sports fans, all that stuff. Love to travel the world. Um, yeah, and that's us in a nutshell. I'll let Mark introduce himself before uh, I tell you a little bit more about our company and what we do. Yeah, no, thanks, Dave. And thanks for having us on, Luke. Uh, super excited to be here. Um, yeah, so kind of similar to Dave, born and raised in Cleveland, um, got my start in real estate and short-term rentals back in like 2016, uh, when I house hacked a duplex and rented out just a spare room in, in my house on Airbnb. And from that, I just caught the bug and haven't really stopped since and just love the short-term rental space. Um, and like Dave said, we, we started our management company a couple of years ago called Host Pros. And, you know, that's been a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we've, we've had some success, but it hasn't been without a learning curve and some bumps along the way. But uh, overall, yeah, a lot of fun. And, you know, similar to Dave, big outdoors guy, and I love to travel as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that's usually what I'm doing, something along those lines. Okay, great. And uh, talk to me about properties that you guys own. Uh, if either of you own own your own properties, uh, explain those to us a little bit. Yeah, so uh, Mark and I own three properties jointly. Um, so we own a four-unit building and a three-unit building in the suburbs. Um, we've recently converted the last of those units to short-term rentals. So they're now um, exclusively short-term rentals. And then we own another large uh, five bedroom single family home out in Geneva, Ohio, which is about an hour west. Uh, big vacation market out there in the summer, um, super seasonal, unlike the urban Cleveland market. Um, but big vacation market on the lake. There's also about 20 wineries out there in a five mile stretch. Um, and there's also an Olympic training facility that brings in a lot of friends and athletes and stuff like that. So uh, three properties together. Um, I also own a three unit building and a single family home in the suburbs. Um, single family homes in Airbnb or short term rental. Um, and one of the three units in my three family is also a short term rental. Uh, and Mark has a couple properties too that he can tell you about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I also own a duplex myself. And uh, recently, most recently, I bought a uh, 
kind of unique property. They're two single family homes on the same lot. Uh, and, uh, currently right now running both of those out, but in the near future in about four months or so, my fiance and I will move into one of those, uh, houses and we'll continue running out the, the smaller of the two, which is like kind of a guest cottage type. And we'll continue running that out, uh, short term, um, you know, kind of house hacking, but, uh, without having to share walls with other people. So, uh, that was kind of attractive to us and, um, yeah, excited, excited for that. So. Oh, that sounds cool. That sounds really cool. So, um, what, what did you guys do before you got into real estate? <laughs> um, I am a retired lawyer who has also worked in nonprofit fundraising for a while. Um, so that was my pre real estate job. And actually, uh, I still do do, do that during the day sometime. Uh, Mark runs our company day to day. So I'll let him tell you a little yeah, more. About I try it. to, I try to, I try to, I try to stay out of the way. <laughs> yeah, what, what did you do, uh, you know, in real world, in the real world? And then when, when was it time to transition? Yeah. So, uh, I worked for a manufacturing company here in Cleveland, just managing warehouse operations. Uh, I did that for, for about eight years. Uh, and there was a time a couple of years back, um, so I, I left that job in 2019, but, you know, for, for a while I was kind of, you know, thinking about transitioning to, to, you know, to a different kind of life stage, I guess. Um, it was my first job out of college. You know, I was in my late twenties, early thirties still, and, you know, wasn't settled down yet or anything. So, uh, you know, I, I had just bought, uh, you know, my own property as well. Dave and I had bought one or two at that time. And in February, 2019, I quit my job and traveled, uh, through central and South America for about nine months. Um, and you know, you know, that, that decision for me was about probably a year, year and a half in the making, um, just, you know, getting the courage to make the leap and, and do it. But, uh, you know, once I did it, I, I, I definitely don't regret it. Um, you know, and I was lucky enough to be able to have some income coming in from, you know, the the couple of properties we own together, as well as, you know, the properties I owned um, that, you know, I wasn't completely destitute after uh, almost a year without working and traveling. Um, so, you know, during that time, 2019, uh, while I was traveling, Dave and I were building up our business uh the host, the, the management business. So it was kind of cool to be able to, um, you know, still be remotely working, enjoying life out on the road. But, you know, at the same time, we're, we're kind of, uh, putting the piece together to build our, our company. And, uh, I think I left in February, came back in early December. And in that time when I left, we literally had just signed our first client, like a week or two, uh, before I left. And then, uh, when I got back, we had about four or five clients at that time. So, so just in about, uh, nine months, you know, went from pretty much zero to having a handful of clients. It still wasn't that much, a handful of properties, but, um, you know, all the things that go into building a, a business, um, and being involved in it, it was, it was, uh, definitely a unique experience to, to be able to do that while getting to travel and, enjoy that uh time in my life 20 this was uh this was pre-covid yeah or like covid was just hitting uh yeah yeah so i actually i came back to the u.s uh yeah like late november early december um around that time in 2019 stayed about eight weeks and then i went to australia for six weeks uh and it's, that's when i was in australia that's when covid went down uh, it was like mid February uh, that I got there, and then I came back like March twenty second from Australia, and that that was definitely a unique time in the world to be traveling overseas. Um, definitely saw some interesting stuff in airports and planes and stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely timing's everything. You know, I, you know, I think about if I would have maybe pushed that decision to to leave my job a year later, um, you know in 2020, things would have looked a lot different. Um, I might 
got it scared because of the pandemic or, you know, all that. And, you know, it just, you know, timing, timing ended up being the right, uh, the right thing. And, uh, was able to do it in 2019 before COVID and, and kind of take the leap because, you know, if it happened in 2020, I don't know if I would have had the courage to just say, I'm going to walk away from this paycheck while the world's completely changing. So did you get stuck in Australia? No, I, I barely made it out actually. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. The, you know, f- flights were being canceled left and right. And Australia just announced that they were closing their borders both in and out. Um, I think it was April 1st. Um, but there were so few flights leaving that like, you know, if you didn't leave, like if you didn't get on the next flight, you could, you, you, you don't know if, when you'd get out of there. Um, so I ended up, I was supposed to leave, I think it was the 24th of March and I ended up moving it up to 22nd. And yeah, it was, it, it was crazy. Like I saw people in, uh, in the airport and the the girl on the plane next to me was in like a full Ghostbusters bodysuit with like mittens on that she could still play on her phone. Um, like it, it, it was, it was definitely bizarre. It was like, it was yeah. like straight, straight out of like some like kind of sci-fi movie. What was your impression while this was going on? Were you just annoyed that you had to change your flight or were you freaking out or where were you? Where was your stance? I'll, t- I'll answer that <laughs> question because yeah. I, I remember on like March 2nd or 3rd, first week of March, I, I texted Mark and I, and I said, man, this COVID thing like seems like it's blown up and could be an issue. And he's like, he's like, ah, oh, no, nobody cares about it over here. No one's even talking about it. Like, I think it's just people overreacting and like, it, it's not going to be an issue. It'll be gone in a week. Uh, <laughs> and so that changed pretty quickly. And yeah. funny because like Australia locked down harder than like almost anywhere else in the world. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when, when Dave, Dave messaged me about COVID, like at that time I was like, I was like totally blind to it. Cause I was just, you know, enjoying joined the sunny Australia and the time there and, you know, not really paying attention to any news. And yeah, I was, I was way off on that, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah. And leaving Australia and coming to the U S was, was definitely weird. Just, uh, there you, you, leaving there and then coming here at that point, everything was closed in the U S and it was like a ghost town. Um, you know, I'll never forget going, going through the O'Hare airport in Chicago and it was completely bare and that is a massive airport. Um, so it, it was bizarre. It was definitely bizarre. Yeah. You would have been stuck there for a while, probably. Yeah. I mean, a year probably. Yeah. Which might not yeah. have been that bad. Uh, uh, other than yeah. having to find a job and things like, how would that even work? <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I don't hey know. Guys, I'm stuck yeah. here. You're going to have to give me a job, you know, uh, and I don't have papers. <laughs> That's, you know, it's another right. thing. Yeah, uh, man, what a mess it was, right? So yes, um, yeah. And how do you guys know each other? Uh, we met through a local young professionals uh, networking group. Um, right around the time we both bought our first investment properties, we met up and uh, yeah, just started talking and and realized we both had the same uh, investment goals. Uh, this is kind of the origin story of our company too. Um, but we met in 2015, I think. Um, we both just purchased our first investment properties and, you know, we decided to, uh, purchase a property together. We were in the process of rehabbing it. Um, you know, and Mark was renting out, uh, rooms in his, in his place on Airbnb. And so we said, you know, why don't we throw a couple of these things up on Airbnb and see what happens. And, you know, we were making a ton of money, uh, but it was a lot of work as you know. And so we just started building systems and implementing technology to make it easier and got to the point after about a year where we were like, hey, you know, we've got we've got a service here that we could offer to other people as a company, as a management service. And it's kind of how we got started. And we, we started offering that service in January 2019. And the rest is history. So with these duplexes in the tri and the triplexes, uh, I guess, you know, because and don't take this the wrong way, because I'm a huge long term rental fan. I have yeah. way more long term rentals than I do short term. Uh, but why not long term? Uh, just why not, I guess? Well, um, we started out with a mix and we've slowly been transitioning them all to short term. Um, and for us, for us, it makes sense uh, from a financial perspective because we already have the systems 
Um, you know, we already have the employees in place that manage these things on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's super easy for us to plug one of these units into our system and nothing really changes. Um, when I'm running numbers for potential clients, I don't see these multifamily smaller apartments making sense for them. Um, because because the, the margin's just not there when you factor in the cost of furnishing and the cost of our management services and stuff like that. So if you're willing to self-manage, um, I think it's good. Um, but if you're not, um, it doesn't make sense, at least in the Cleveland market. So to answer your question uh, directly, why not long-term? Because we can make more money on short-term yeah. and we yeah. have the systems where it doesn't, it's easy to do. Do you think there's also an element again back to the systems things system thing where you just it it works more in your brain like it, you know because there, there is a different type of brain in charge of long term and short term I just happen to be demented and have both of those brains but yeah uh, is it and in, in other words do you like it better you know do you like it better um, yeah I, Mark, I'd say ahead. I I think we uh, I think we do you know I think we we've, you know, we definitely gravitate to, to that space. You know, as Dave mentioned, we have the system set up. Um, you know, I think it, it takes a little bit of a, a crazy person to want to own slash manage 50, 60 Airbnbs. Um, and for whatever reason, we're geared that way. Um, can't really say why, but, you know, I think we just kind of caught caught the bug a couple of years ago and, you know, realized how, how fun of a space this can be and how, you know, how exciting it can be. You know, for example, you know, Dave talked about, you know, some of the properties, you know, we do some different types of themes and amenities and stuff um, at places like, you know, there, we have a place um, that's a, a game room um, with arcade games and stuff like that. It's actually a place that Dave owns himself, but we run it through our, our, our systems and stuff. Um, you know, that those are things that you're not doing on a long-term rental, you know. Um, you know, you're just pretty much putting a tenant in and hoping you never hear from them again and that they pay rent. <laughs> so um I think, you know, just the, you know, it, it, it kind of is can be a creative space in a way. And I think it's, you know, it's a way we find an outlet to let our creative energy go and, you know, you know, it can be, it can be fun and we've had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, yeah, you know, even, even from, you know, the design and furnishing and running numbers and it, it, it it's, it's just a little, it's a little different game than your long-term rentals. And we've gravitated towards that, uh, that side of it. Yeah, I agree. I was a musician my whole life. Uh, I guess I still am, even though I haven't played in a long time. And uh you know, you grow up and eventually kind of have to not be on the stage in a, a stinky bar anymore. And, uh, and it is a creative outlet with these short terms. And, and uh, it, it, it's the same part of the brain that, that I was using when I was playing drums, really, for yeah. for the most part, I would imagine. But uh, so you came about this, honestly, really, you just you say, I'm going to get into real estate, bought a house or two, and then uh, decided that short term was uh, was the way to go and just it just grew it from there. Yeah, yeah, we we kind of stumbled into it. We we got lucky. We were in the right place at the right time. And uh, yeah, like no one was no one was managing short term rentals for other people in 2019, at least in Cleveland. I'm sure they were in you know California and maybe the Smokies and Florida and places like that. But no one was doing what we were doing um, in Cleveland at the time. And you know, even back in 2019, property was was still super affordable in Cleveland. Uh, still is here. So I, you know, I think just a case of right place, right time for us. Let's talk yeah. about Cleveland, uh, the regulations and such. Uh, do you have trouble with your neighbors? What what are the regulations as far as the cities and the counties uh, that you're operating in? Well, your timing for that question is very interesting um, because city council uh, is taking a very close look at this right now in the city of Cleveland. Um, so I, if we zoom out for a minute, um, the Cleveland is located in Cuyahoga County. Cuyahoga County has probably 55 different municipalities that all have their different regu regulations, right? So it's already kind of a mess from that perspective. <laughs> um, there, you know, you have to know the rules in 55 different places. I honestly don't even know them all because we don't operate in all of them. But we, I would say problems with neighbors for us have been basically a non-issue um, because we we screen our guests very closely 
um, we have some measures in place to prevent stuff like that from happening. Um, but there have been some high profile incidents in the city of Cleveland that is causing city council to take a closer look at these things. Um, so, you know, we've been in contact with the councilman who's leading this effort, um, having some conversations and stuff like that, and hopefully uh, pushing it in the direction where, um, you know, they still allow short-term rentals. And, you know, I would say that we are not as hosts um, and as a group of hosts that we work with in Cleveland, we're not opposed to some sort of regulation that helps us weed out those bad hosts that give us a bad name. Right. Um, but, you know, so we're hoping that that Cleveland settles on something that's pretty reasonable. Um, but for us, you know, we, we typically don't allow locals to book our places. Um, we have two nights, two night minimums on all of our places. And we're pretty explicit with people that we don't allow parties and stuff like that. And so that, you know, solves 99.9% .9 of all of our problems. If you want to buy a short-term rental in one of the best vacation markets in America, you're looking for the short-term shop. They are the experts in the vacation rental space. Their team of realtors are fantastic. If you use the short-term shop to buy your home, you'll have access to free classes with me to teach you how to get your property up and running. Join us at theshorttermshop.com, brokered by EXP. Yeah, and, and you just got to overstate the obvious, you know. I mean, it's the same thing with long-term. Again, I don't know why I keep coming back to long-term today, but uh, if you're not screening your your tenants and doing credit checks and, and finding out if they've got any bankruptcies, you're going to end up with a terrible tenant. Um, and it's the, it's the exact same thing in short-term. It's just done through a different process. And you know, uh, basically just asking them questions and, be, and laying down the law and saying, hey, if you bring more than the people that are on your reservation, we're going to have a problem here and things like that. Um, so uh, how did you, uh, I mean, let's get into the nuts and bolts. Like what, when you first started, were you, uh, I guess let's start with Airbnb versus Verbo. I mean, where, how are you marketing these properties? Are you doing it on your own website? Is it on Airbnb? How are you doing it? Yeah, so we're, 99% Airbnb. Um, and, you know, that that's something that we're uh, evolving, you know, right now, um, adding places on uh, Verbo. Ironically, in Cleveland itself, um, Verbo is not very widely used. Um, you know, it is dominated by Airbnb in the Cleveland area market, or Cleveland urban market where verbo becomes more appealing and more commonly used is as dave mentioned we own a place in uh, geneva ohio which is a more vacation type place um so in that area verbo is much more common and you know we we are we we own the one there and also manage about four others uh that you know we are going to have on verbo as well um the direct booking thing has always been a uh, kind of a conundrum for us. We've talked about it probably for three years, <laughs> um, whether we should go, you know, go with direct bookings. Um, and up until pretty recently, we were pretty cool not doing that um, just because we felt that the effort and, you know, everything, you know, a lot of people hosts will say, well, you know, I'm paying Airbnb 3% and, you know, um, I don't have control and all this, which is fair. Um, however, you know, 3% to me is, that's essentially your payment processing, which Airbnb does for you. So if you did direct bookings yourself, you know, you have to pay pay payment processing. It doesn't also include the customer support, you know, the host support they give you, the insurance they give you and all that. Um, which is valuable. Um, that said, you know we've seen we've seen recently there's been some cases where it would be advantageous to have a direct booking platform. Um, you know, particularly just because, um, you know, there's there's been some cases where Airbnb has not been very friendly to to us as hosts, and which has been surprising considering we're you know, we have so many listings on there. Um, so we feel just as a diverse diversification that, you know, it does make sense to start, um, you know, marketing some direct bookings. And we are looking at options for that. Um, it is not a major part of our business at this moment, but I think over the, you know, 
throughout this year and, and going in the future, it'll become a, a bigger, bigger portion of it. I, I like the model. I'm, I mean, if Airbnb is working for you, why not? So uh, how do, speaking of the 3%, how does the payment structure work? How much are you charging me as a, as an owner? Uh, and does that include the uh, Airbnb service fees or not? Yeah. So we are, we are set up primarily as a full service hosting company. So our goal is to do everything for our clients and just cut them a check at the end of every month. Um, so our fee for that is 25% of the gross revenue. I think that's pretty standard these days. Um, and with that, your property is going to list, be listed on our Airbnb profile. Um, we're super hosts. We have over 5,000 reviews. Um, 5,000 so reviews, 5,000. We hit 5,000 earlier this month. My so, goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, you'll be listed on our profile. Um, we manage all the pricing, all the guest communication, you know, before, during, and after the stay. Uh, we got a cleaning team of over a dozen cleaners that takes care of the cleaning. They work for you full time? No, they're all contracted. Um, contract okay, We'll get into that. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting yeah. ahead. Of, I'm getting, what's my payment <laughs> yeah. structure? Yeah. And is it different? I'm going to write down housekeepers here. Um, yeah. Is it different for different owners? In other words, is this is this single family a different? Uh, is it all twenty five percent? Yeah, it's twenty five percent across the board. Um, yeah, and that's just kind of what we've determined. And that does cover um, what you're paying, what Airbnb's taking, or, or, or it does it not. No, the three percent fee is deducted as well. Okay, um, so it's twenty five plus three, basically. Plus three. Yep, and and owners are responsible for any operating expenses. So. They're responsible for the cost of toilet paper. They're responsible for landscaping, snow removal. Um, we coordinate all that. We do all that, um, but it is an additional cost to our owners. So, you know, when the toilet paper is running out, our cleaner lets us know. We order it. We ship it to the house. We unpack it, take care of all that. Um, we coordinate landscaping, snow removal, preventative maintenance, uh, responsive maintenance, all that stuff. Um, but any of those expenses are going to be billed back to the owner as an operating expense. Uh, you mentioned some issues with Airbnb. Um, I, I, I hate to get into that in case somebody's listening and decides to boot all of us. Uh, but uh, you have, uh, can you give us a, you know, a little bit of a story or two? Mark, sure. Mark can keep, Mark can do it. Let's keep it high level. So yeah. sure. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Essentially the, the story was we had an issue with a guest. Um, they hold on. I'm sorry. You're implying that this is just really one or two stories. It's not a big hole. Yeah. Backlog this, this, junk. Yeah. Isolated um, incidents. Okay, Isolated incidents. Sorry, sorry, yeah. the, so long story short, the guest caused some issues at the property where the neighbors ended up calling, um, calling the police. Um, Police came, police left. That was really the end of the story. We, about a week after that, we got a message from Airbnb that our that our listing had been suspended for thirty days. Just one of them, or the whole profile? Just just this one listing where where this this happened. Um, so, you know, and, and you know, th this is one of our nicer properties. It's it's a it's a big. Uh, five bedroom house. How much um, would this house cost? Um, would it cost. My uh, guess is this house would sell for four to five hundred thousand. Okay, today. nice house. Which in Cleveland, we don't, that's, know, we don't own it though. Yeah, very Cleveland, nice house, That's though. a lot. Yeah, Cleveland. That's like, that's pretty up. I'm there. from Omaha. I, I yes, yeah, you yeah. know, so midwest, yeah. big midwestern city. Yeah, that's a big. That's a nice house. It yeah. is. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So. You know, we get this message. It was out of the blue too. Nobody from Airbnb had contacted us, you know, before saying, "Hey, we're looking into this." It was just like, "Hey, your listing is suspended for thirty days. There's nothing you can do about it. We're not changing our decision." And basically, that's it. So, you know that that was a that was a little wake up call for us. We're like, "Whoa!" Like, um, and and mind you, you know, we we as the host did nothing wrong, you know, it would, and when we, we ended up talking to our Airbnb market manager, which uh, a little, little tip for, for hosts out there, you know, if, if you, if you do have a market manager, definitely connect with them. Um, so most, most uh, markets have somebody from that works for Airbnb that's in charge of, you know, your region. Um, and they, they're there to help you. Um, and they're they're there to help you drive revenue and get bookings and navigate issues. So you know, 
while this wasn't something she was able to fix, she was able to get some more information. And pretty much what it came down to is since since a neighbor called the police and the police came, that they wanted to kind of smooth over the issue with any potential upset neighbors and just calm the property down for 30 mm. days. Um, and, you know, I, I do understand like that kind of PR move, like um, at the same time, you know, we were punished as hosts for something that was totally out of our control, as well as now, you know, this is a property that hosts a lot of people coming, you know, here in Cleveland, we have the Cleveland Clinic. This is a handicap accessible, fully accessible place that, you know, a 90% of people that say are coming for clinic surgeries, operations, whatnot. And it's one of the, you know, the best places you could say if you're coming for something like this. And now you're also taking this property off the market for, for those people that need it. And, you know, you know, that, that was, that was definitely disappointing. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what reignited some talks about maybe we should do some more direct bookings um, just because you never know what can happen. I mean, Airbnb, yeah. they, they are the top dog. They, they control the narrative and they can, you know, they can take your listing down if they feel it's not, um, if it's not supporting their platform and putting, you know, um, I guess putting their name in the right vein in everyone's mind. So, um, you know, because of that, 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 that got us thinking, you know, maybe we should at least have our bases covered, you know, in case other stuff happens, hopefully, hopefully that's the only time it happens, but at least we have other options where mm-hmm. we're not just shut down for, for 30 days. How you did know. the owner take it? She's um, pretty cool about it. Yeah. She I was think un- she understood. Um, yeah. She, I think she appreciated that we managed the whole situation for her. Um, at this, you know, we also, we were able to fill some nights on her calendar because of kind of the funnel of people we have coming. Um, you know, we're always getting inquiries about, Hey, I'm looking for this and you know, these dates and this many nights. And we were able to essentially direct book a portion of those nights that she would have missed, um, just because we have a, a larger funnel of guests and, uh, leads coming in. So, you know, it wasn't like she was totally dry for the month. Um, but you know, yeah, it was just, just kind of a, an eye-opening thing that, you know, Airbnb could, could delist you. That's, that's fully in the possibilities of things that can happen when you're, you know, on their platform. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a little bit sad, honestly, to hear the story, uh, because uh, you guys are, seems to be very honest gentlemen and that could happen in a long term. I mean, you know, I mean, a long, you can call the cops on your long-term neighbor anytime and, doesn't mean you can't keep renting that house, you know? I yeah, mean, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a sticky situation. I get it. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, if anybody's listening, we love Airbnb. We love you. We and, do. Uh, we love you. And thank you <laughs> for changing our lives. We love you. Uh, sure. But uh, Okay, cool. So um, at this point, we, we're starting to roll a little bit here. We're starting to get a few properties. Um, how are you finding these? Uh, these, these you're calling them clients, uh, owners. Uh, how are you finding them? Yeah, clients, you know, a lot of them, well, up until basically today, most of them just come in through our website or, um, you know, I met a, I met a ton of our original clients and, and even some of our current clients through bigger pockets. Um, so as you know, I'm pretty active in those bigger pockets forums, um, just trying to answer questions, provide value to people, um, especially when they ask about Cleveland, but really anything short term rental related. Um I'm trying to add value in those forums. And a lot of people just message me and say either, you know, Hey, I've got this house in Cleveland or I'm thinking about investing in Cleveland. Can you, can you help me with that? So, um, and then we built a new website um, about a year ago, I don't know, maybe six months ago. Um, that's been a, a good driver of leads for us as well. Um, I think if you Google, I don't know, Cleveland Airbnb host or something, we're probably the first search result on that website. Um so that's, that's where our clients are coming from. Um, we actually just sent out a targeted mailing to about 1,400 houses along the lake um, that, that we would like to manage. Um, so I will add some context there. We've really been shifting. When we first started, we would manage anything, right? Because we were just trying to start, start, a, start a company. So, you know, if you had a third floor apartment, 
and a triplex, we'd take it, right? It didn't matter. Um, we've really shifted away from that now, and we're focused on higher end single family homes and specifically on more vacation y destinations, right? So there's a national park that most people don't know about, uh, about 30, 30 miles outside of Cleveland. Um, so we're big on that market. And then we're big on that Geneva, Geneva on the Lake wine country market. Um, so we sent out 1400 mailers last week. Um, I got two calls, first two calls for that, um, on the 10 minute drive from my house to, uh, this office. So those, those look like they're going to pay off uh, pretty quickly for us too. Um, Uh, Two out of 1400, I'd say that's pretty good. And you might get some more. (laughs) If we get one, it pays for itself. So (laughs) it's all good. Yeah, Yeah. that's wonderful. Okay, cool. Uh, what management software are we using, uh, to, uh, to handle these properties? So, yeah, so we use uh, Guesty for hosts uh, as uh, property management software. Uh, we actually, that was almost since day one, I think we, we were using that. Um, and, you know, it's really helpful for automation of you know, all your messages, keeping your calendars straight. Um, you know, you manage all your pricing in there. Uh, at least, you know, you, you input your pricing and connect it um, to, we use price uh or wheel, sorry, wheelhouse and air DNA f- for the pricing itself. Uh, and then on our, um, on the cleaning side and our uh, maintenance side, we use properly. Um, and that is, uh, you know, we schedule all our uh, cleaning turnover jobs, all our maintenance tasks, it all is scheduled improperly. And that's also really Really nice. It integrates with Guesty, so the calendars get synced, and it's pretty seamless. Um, I think our our employees like using it. Uh, one of the cool things about Properly, um, from a cleaning standpoint, is when the cleaner's there. Um, so they, it's an app on their phone, and they clock in when they get there. It keeps track of their time, but also um, you create a like a checklist, and they're prompted to take certain picture pictures of certain things while they're doing the cleaning so take a picture of the made bed take a picture of the fridge empty take a picture of the living room take a picture anything you think is important to have documented um, not only for um you know to make sure it's clean and done but also you know if if a guest says hey i can't find the tv remote you know and okay we took a picture of this uh, of the living room where our tv TV remote is supposed to be on the coffee table. And okay, I can see when Karen did the clean yesterday that it was there. So, okay, something happened or I could see it wasn't there and it was gone way before that. Um, so, you know, it's really, it's really useful for keeping track of things. Also for, you know, um, you know, when training, you know, if we're bringing a new cleaner on, on board, you know, you pretty much list out exactly how they should do things, you know, you know, how the bed should be made, how the towel should be folded, what the, you know, what to throw away in the fridge and what to keep, what supplies should be out. All of that is in, in your checklist. And the cleaner actually has a visual on her phone, uh, where they can see, see where it should go and how it should look. Um, so it's, it's really, it's really useful. So you mentioned wheelhouse. Um, it seems to me like ninety percent of everybody's using Price Lab. So why the wheelhouse uh, move? Not that I'm again not against it at all. I just I'm curious. Well, for pricing, we use both Air DNA and Wheelhouse, and kind of compare the two. So I was I was listening to your um, spring pricing podcast this morning, actually. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> You're probably going to be surprised to hear that we actually do pricing for all 60 of our listings manually. Um, and so I am going through there um, aspirationally. Yeah, you blowing my mind a little bit. Hold on a second. <laughs> so, uh, again, see, we didn't even go over that 60 properties. Okay. So that, that's 60, number yeah. one. Holy Lord. You know, that's, that's crazy. And then uh, manually pricing. Uh, you're doing that on Guesty for hosts, I, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, right on the plat- yep. on the uh, management software and then um how often what's the pricing system is this like a every tuesday between one and three or how does that work 
So yeah, aspirationally, it's on a weekly basis. Um, in reality, it's probably more like every two weeks um, because there are just so many and the manual process uh, makes it difficult. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that hands-on pricing approach has been part of the reason why we've been successful. I agree with um, that. Yep. Rather than just plug and play. Um, you know, just, just looking at the statistics that Airbnb provides us, um, Across all 60 of our units, um, we are at 17.4% higher occupancy than comparable units and over $29 a night higher nightly rate than comparable units. So I think those, I think those numbers are achievable because of the hands-on pricing uh, tactics that we No use. interest in implementing, you know, a price labs or, or beyond. Huh. Or, uh, uh, definitely some interest in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it I just texted a wonderful Mark. job. It does. Uh, <laughs> now, no, that being said, uh, you know, in your defense, I, and I agree with you, a qualified manager with a lot of, you know, historical data in their brain and they're using their DNA, et cetera. You know, a lot of times you can probably, probably do a little bit better job on your own, but there's so much to keep track of. There's, you know, there's yeah. a lot of room for error. Um, so that's yeah. what I worry about. For sure. Um, you know, what, what I've personally seen is that those, is that those pricing tools don't do as good of a job of capturing local events that are going to drive higher premium pricing. Um, you know, I think they do a good job of capturing seasonality, um, but not so much, you know, like uh, the Lizzo concert that's coming here <laughs> in a month, right? Um, I, I look at the calendar, at least in Wheelhouse and, and AirDNA, and I don't see much movement on that. But I know that I can charge probably a 10 to 20 percent premium on that night um, for units that are downtown, you know, walkable to the arena and stuff like that. Um, things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And just and just, you know, tweaking if I'm a week out and. Yeah, that was my next know, question. I'm sorry. Uh how far in advance are you booking? Is it, is it only like the next three or four weeks? So that makes the pricing a little less difficult because you're not having to go all the way to next November or how does that work? So um, <laughs> it's funny. All these questions are super timely. I guess we've had a lot of change in our business recently. Um, our average lead time is 24 days. Um, our, average, our average booking is four days. Um, we are in the middle of a process of transitioning from... 90 day advanced calendars to 365 day advanced calendars. The reason for that being, um, like Mark said, we've been talking a lot to our representative from Airbnb who told us that uh, their algorithm looks at your availability based on a 365 day calendar. And so she told us that while all of our places are doing really well and outperforming, they could do even better if we open up the calendar for 365 days. So we've been talking to our clients about this, um, working on it. Like you said, it's a tough, it's a tough thing because you've got to be thinking about events that could be happening a year from now um, that aren't even scheduled yet, right? Um, yeah. So, so when the Browns are in town on the weekend, um, our places, you know, we can charge a fifty percent premium, but we don't even have the schedule for that. So, the way we're dealing with that is basically. Um, setting those dates, setting those prices extremely high for those, you know, for mm -hmm. six months plus down yeah. the road. And, you know, there are rates that we know we're not going to get, but the point is not to book them. The point is to open up the calendar and feed that algorithm. So our properties rank yeah. better. Interesting because what you're saying is, is if I'm available for the next 365 days, um, in other words, what they're concerned with is your, your booking percentage percentage of booked, right? So if uh, if I open way in, in advance for a year, I'm only like 8% booked or 12, I'm making that number up. But if I'm only available for the next 30, 60 days, then I'm more like 70% booked. So they are. there's a chance that their algorithms won't send me as much traffic because their system is trying to say, hey, this guy's already got enough juice. Why bother with him? That kind of thing. Is that? Well, I, I think my understanding was that the algorithm is just looking at bookable days in the next 365 days. So if I've blocked, if I have no bookings and I've blocked my calendar for um, beyond 90 days, my availability is only 25%. But if I open it, it's 100%. And so I don't think they're necessarily looking at, I mean, I'm sure they do. I'm sure that's another factor in their algorithm is like, how many bookings are you getting? But 
um, this, this factor seems to be what is the general availability of the place. So, and, and it, if you, I think from an Airbnb, from Airbnb standpoint, it makes sense that they would want to feed traffic to the people who have more availability. Cause that those are people that they feel like, okay, you guys are supporting our, our business. You guys are putting your calendars open. Like we want to get you bookings because that helps us. So maybe we'll rank you a little higher because you have more availability. Um, a lot, uh, like there's a lot of theories on Airbnb's uh, uh, logarithms. So, you know, I think, you know, nobody knows for sure, but this was uh, direct feedback from, from our market manager. And we, we had no idea. We were shocked. We're like, really? And, and part of the reason why we hadn't done it prior to that, um, open the calendar longer is part of it is because of what you mentioned with managing pricing that far in advance. Like we were like, Hey, we get most of our bookings in three months anyway, in the, within three months, why open the calendar lo like longer, farther out? We'll have to manage all that pricing and that, you know, that's more work than we're even going to get any bookings for. So, but when we got that feedback, it kind of made us reconsider. And so we've tried it. Um, and actually, you know, we have gotten some bookings further out that we wouldn't have gotten at some really nice rates. Um, I think one of the other advantages, you know, you know, that we we have is with the number of units that, you know, under our our portfolio, we can we can also see the trends. So, you know, if we, you know, we notice, hey, we we booked in the last 48 hours, we booked five stays on this on these specific dates in downtown units because they're coming to for the Bruce Springsteen concert like and wow like okay like now we can take that to our other units that are unbooked and say hey those places already booked at this rate why don't we bump that up 10 or 15 percent because we know this is already a hot hot time that mm -hmm. people are booking so I think you know again we we have like since we have more reach and have a funnel and we, we can kind of read the tea leaves and read what's going on in the market, um, you know, and use the tools like uh, wheelhouse air, air DNA to aid our decision-making. Um, but it's not like we're just going full in hundred percent on everything they say, because we have, we also have a lot of our own data data we're gathering. Mm -hmm. And how are we finding these housekeepers uh, and what does your team in general look like? Uh, I guess so. Let's start with housekeepers and we'll build from there. How many do you have and how are you finding them? Yeah, so we have we have about a dozen uh, housekeepers. Uh, we have found them a lot of different ways. Uh, yeah. You know, we've, uh, a couple of them were referred to us word of mouth by uh, contacts or uh, people we knew. Um, you know, a couple were um, from other companies that were maybe, uh working in similar ways, but, you know, we found out that they weren't treating their employees right. So we talked with them and kind of poached a few. Um, and, you know, we also put out some ads, um, you know, just Craigslist or um, whatever. Um, yeah. Was it Craigslist. Can't remember how we put them out, but we, we did get a few hits and we've also, you know, we, we get a lot of people coming you know, a lot of people will reach out to us like on Airbnb, for example. And we, we did get a, a couple cleaners through that way. We're like, hey, they, they message you and they're not supposed to do this because um, they'll, they'll get kicked off the platform pretty quick. But hey, I, I clean, you know, I'm looking for a job, you know, here's my contact information. And, you know, so so yeah, kind of kind of any which way we can find people, um, you know, we, we're we're open to that. Uh, and then, you know, we, we talk to them, interview them, meet them, put them through some training and, um, you know, get them, get them kind of acclimated to, to everything. Um, we, you know, it's, it's pretty common that you'll find somebody that's like, Oh, I've cleaned for 20 years. And you talk to them and like, yeah, you know, I do, you know, single family houses, residential, you know, and that's a totally different type of job, really. Um, so I think one thing to be careful with is just make sure that you're getting a 
the the right type of person for the job because somebody that's in residential cleaning versus um, Airbnb or short-term rental turnovers, it's a totally different thing. Um, totally different. Um, you know, I mean, for one thing, pays pays a lot different. Um, and, you know, also just the expectations, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, at you know, totally get on the ceiling and, and, you know, remove every single wipe the ceiling down every single time. Like you're, you're doing a turnover. It's supposed to be clean. You're sanitizing everything, but you don't have to like, you know, go crazy and spend 15 hours doing a two bedroom apartment. Right. <laughs> you know, what's the rest of the team look like? Do you have any, uh, assistants or virtual assistants or, uh, any full-time employees or anything else like that? Yeah. So we have, um, we have four other, uh, full-time employees, um, in addition to Dave and I, so we have a cleaning manager, uh, we have a, uh, who, uh, you know, obviously manages the cleaners, um, and kind of coordinates their schedules. She's like their, um, mode of contact, uh, anything they need, she's there to help. Um, recently we just promoted our, who was our cleaning manager, um, to what is, uh, our QC manager, quality control. Um, and she is in charge of really making sure that all the properties are, uh, as they should be in terms of, you know, is, was the cleaning done properly? Is the furnishing up to standard? Is anything need fixed? You know, is this, is this up to our quality standards? Um, and you know, over 60 properties, you know, that's a, that's a big job. So we thought it was, thought it was appropriate to actually make that instead of having that be the cleaning manager to actually make a new position and, and have that person focus strictly on uh, quality control. Yeah. Her, her job is, her goal is to get into every single property at least once a quarter and go through our, our furnishing checklist, make sure uh, everything's there, everything's working properly, everything's up to our standards, um, stuff like that, you know. Okay, cool. Housekeeper yeah, then, manager. Um, and uh, and what else? Who else? Quality. So, yep. uh, so yeah, uh, guest experience uh, so we have a guest experience associate uh, who's who's in charge of taking care of guests. Uh, her her job description is just making sure the guests are happy. So she um, she handles all communication with guests. You know, and if if they need anything, she's taking care of it. Um, you know, and, and you know, we like to do little goodies. You know, little nice nice things like if somebody's coming in for an anniversary or. A, graduation, whatever, you know, putting a bottle of wine or a box of chocolates or, you know, a little nice gift. We don't do that on every stay, but those are like nice additions that um, the guest experience uh, associate is in charge of uh, providing. Okay. Wonderful. So, and and I, I think I missed that housekeeper and quality control, two different people, two different okay. people. Yeah. And so who's number four? Uh, our repairs and maintenance coordinator. Okay. So he, he is, uh, in charge of coordinating repairs and maintenance, anything that breaks, you know, needs taken care of, uh, he's, he's on it. He's not necessarily doing all the work, although he will go out and, you know, you know, fix things, um, if it's under his, uh, his wheelhouse, but, you know, if it's something above his level of expertise, uh, he, you know, he's got a handful of contractors at his disposal, which, um, you know, he, he has, you know, he's in charge of maintaining. So he's in charge of finding a, you know, snow removal person. He's in charge of finding landscapers. Um, and he's in charge of coordinating all of that. Um, so, you know, same with electricians, plumbers, just general handymen, all of it. Um, so he's not only just like coordinating, like, Hey, uh, Travis, can you go fix this toilet here, uh, today? He's also in charge of finding people that can help the team. Um, so who, who handles uh, guest communication? Is it one of you two or, uh, uh, that's our guest experience person. She handles uh, all I, the messaging. Yeah. She does all the messaging on her, you know, on her off days, I do cover her. Um, so yeah, it's actually something I really enjoy doing. Yeah. I know it's like kind of weird, but I actually love it. Yeah. Um, I love it too. So about I, two days a week. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, two, yeah, two days is good for me. I'm good. Um, I get to have my fun and then, <laughs> and then turn it off and not have to think about it till the next week. But yeah, um, yeah it, you know, just having that mind space where, where she's taking care of it's really helpful, but yeah, she, 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 uh, she does handle all the communication. Um, and that's then, exactly yeah, what I do. We, I have a full-time person yeah. that does the guest communication and then I do it sort of, I have another guy that can, you know, that does it as mm -hmm. well. But, um, when she's not working, which today is one of those days, I kind of step in and, and I, I really feel like it's a nice uh, refresh, like to make sure that my, my company is running the way it should, because I, I feel that I'm running a property management company, even though they're just all my own properties. It's the same thing and not at as large of a scale as you guys, but um, you know, those two days I'm like, oh, you know, this needed to be caught up on or something like that, you know, stuff that she might not even know, know or think to, to mention to me, you know, so. yeah. That's basically Absolutely. exactly how I do it. Now let's, what about reviews? All right. So this is a huge deal. At least I'm, I'm like, man, how are they handling, you know, you've got 5,000 reviews, man. I mean, so how, what's the review system is again, is that a once a, I, that's what I do. I'll do once a week. I sit down with my whole team. We go through everybody that stayed. Uh, what's their review going to be? What do we think they're going to give me? Uh, so what's your system there for the reviews? Yeah, so reviews fall um, on the guest experience person's uh, plate primarily. So the person that's communicating with the guests leave the leaves the reviews. Um, we, you know, we our system is basically to review the messages with the guest, um, review the cleaning report from after the guest has left, and if there are no issues with either of those, then we leave a pretty brief five star review that just says, you know. Luke was a great guest and we'd love to have him back again. Um, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and you know, most of our guests are awesome guests. Um, you know, on the Facebook forums and stuff, I see people who are like afraid to leave bad reviews for guests, stuff like that. I am absolutely against that. Uh, my, my personal philosophy is that as hosts, we have a responsibility to, other hosts in the community to leave honest reviews for guests, just like guests do for us. And so um, we do not hesitate to leave a bad review when the situation warrants like, it. Like uh, you gave me an example of one that you use, cause I know I'm sure you're recycling them a little bit. Do you say this guest wasn't any good or uh, what do you? If the guest trashed the place, we'll just say the guy was totally disrespectful of the property and, mm -hmm. and left, left the place a mess and, uh, you know, click, no, we would not host this guy again. Right. Um, and that's that, you know, um, you know, if someone is really a pain in the butt um, and they are unreasonable in their requests and stuff, I'm, I'm not afraid to say that, too. You know, like um, what's an example? I don't know. Mark's Mark's been frustrated with a few guests recently. Can, I would imagine that you have been. <laughs> he can share. He can share a story. I think. Yeah, there there was the guy who he booked one of our condos. Uh, this is downtown, and he he said the neighbors were loud, and that he wanted a refund uh, for his. So it was a two night stay. It was the 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 morning of his. You know, the, the, the next morning he's like, oh, like last night was terrible. The neighbors were loud, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I want a refund for my night. And so, you know, we we try, you know, I think we we used to kind of just give refunds out um, at the beginning. Uh, I think we've become a little more uh, careful how we we hand them out now. But um I think, you know, I, I think we gave him like a $50 refund for the, for the issue and said, you know, that's stinks. And he's like, I want more. He's like, I want a bigger refund. And I was like, you know, mind you, we, so we offered to bring over a noise machine. Uh, we offered to bring over earplugs. We also offered to go talk to the neighbors and he declined all of these. He said, no, he's like, you don't have to do any of that. Um, and so like, you know, to me, it's just seemed like he just wanted to complain yeah. and, and that he just wanted like somehow like him getting an additional refund would have made that a little better. He would rather get the refund than us fix the problem. Right. Which to me didn't sit very well. Like, you know, I get you were unhappy about being 
that neighbors are allowed. Again, we can't control that. But what I can control is I can bring a noise machine over. I can bring a you know some earplugs. I can also talk to the people, not against stalking them. And you know he 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 didn't want it. So in his review, you know said hey you know he was he he was a good guest, but he was a little unreasonable and wanted. Uh, wanted to kind of rake us over the coals over something out of our control and ask for like a larger refund. And he responded, <laughs> he like messaged us right after the review was posted. And he's like, this is ridiculous. Like, how could you like, he's like, how could you, uh, you know, call me out on, on this uh, in public and blah, blah, blah. Like, and, you know, we were just like, you know, Hey, like I, I would, if that's how you're going to behave, like, you know, us hosts, like we're not like we're just people, right? Like, I I'm not a massive hotel chain. Like, I can't move your room. I can't like, I'm just a guy who ends up to manage some short term rentals, and you know, and you know, this is also this was also I think what also annoyed me. This was in like December, January. It's just like the slowest time of the year. So now, like, you know, you're you're taking money out of our pocket, and you know where it's something that's out of our control. And it's also, you know, we're a small local business. Like we, and we tried to fix the problem for you. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I just, just said like, you know, you, when he responded and he was upset that, you know, in the future, think about how you're communicating with your host because they're just on the other side, you know, they want to help you, but, they also, you know, they're just a person. So like, you know, you want to be supportive of them and, you know, just be a good person rather than just like, yeah, you know, that money, that refund you didn't have to give me over something that wasn't in your control. You should give me more. You should give me a bigger refund. You know, like it just didn't sit, sit well with me, I think. And, you know, and that was it. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I agree. We could go all day about reviews. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> But I think yeah. that that was a gentleman that was looking for some cash is what it was, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be your sucker. You know, uh, and you <laughs> yeah. did the right yeah. thing. You did the right thing. You gave him some money and, um, but, uh, but, but yeah. Uh, okay. Well, listen, um, uh, can you give me uh, we're going to wrap it up, uh, because you guys have been fantastic and on a high note. And, uh, can you give me a, a, a recent book that you've read that you have enjoyed, um, doesn't have to be recent, but just any book that you've read ever that you enjoyed or recently, uh, uh, would love to hear it. And because I'm a big book guy and I would probably read it myself. So, okay, man. Yeah. Mark and I are both big book guys too. Um, and I don't know one, one book that we've based a lot of what we do on is traction. Um, have you read traction Gino, Gino Wickman or Gino mm -hmm. Wickham or something like that. Um, and yeah, so Mark and I are, are textbook cases out of that. I, I'm clearly the visionary and Mark is definitely the integrator. And so I think just that one point and understanding that about ourselves, um, you know, what our roles are in the company, what we're good at and what we're not good at, um, are, has been really transformative for us, I think. I mean, you know, I know what I'm good at. Um, no offense, Mark, but Mark, Mark wouldn't be good at what I'm good at. Um, no. <laughs> Mark, Mark is an amazing integrator. He, he manages the day-to-day -day operations of our company and our people uh, better than anyone I could imagine and um, way better than I went, than I could do. Like, um, and so just that one thing, you know, there, there, there's so much knowledge in that book, but just understanding that one thing about us has, um, really, I think, transformed um, the way we, we run our business. And it, it's been huge for us. So um, that book, that book, one of many hundreds of books I've read that have been awesome. But that one stands out for me. Wonderful. Mark, any uh, book recommendations for me? Yeah, yeah, we actually, we're actually, uh, so our company, we, we're doing a little book club right now. Um, so it's our second book that we've read as a team. And right now we're doing uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willick and Leif Babin. Uh, so if those aren't familiar with it, just kind of the two Navy SEALs guys talking about, um, you know, taking ownership of everything in your world. So as a team, we've, you know, we're reading it um, and embracing those principles because, you know, we want to, 
you know, kind of like the, you know, we're in hospitality. So, you know, we have to, you know, we talked about that guy who was upset about the noise, but, you know, anything in our world, we have to take responsibility for. So, you know, how can we make this guest happy, even though they might not be happy? How can we, um, you know, make our clients happy, the the people who own our properties, you know, you know, what are they looking for? How do we make their, um, their experience better, their lives better? And how can we take any problems that come up and just own that, uh, take responsibility for it? And then from there, just, uh, you know, take care of business. And, you know, I think that book has been, you know, I read it a couple of years back when I was a new, when I was a young manager at my, my old company and had no idea what I was doing. So it really left a big, big imprint on me of how, like when you own a business and when you're a leader, and even if you're not a leader, if, if you're, if you're, um, a subordinate, um, on a team, like there's, you know, taking ownership of everything in your life is, is powerful. It can really transform the way you do things, the way you see things and the way you think. And, you know, so, so that's a really, really powerful book. Absolutely. Yeah. Love that book. Fantastic. All right. Listen, guys, you're wonderful. You've, you've done it all. Um, and, uh, and I wish you all the success in the world and, uh, oh, you have a new podcast coming too. Let's plug that real quick. That's yeah. true. Yeah. We, we just recorded, uh, hasn't even been published yet, but we just recorded the first episode of the Ohio short-term rental podcast. Uh, so that will be as soon as it's edited, that will be out there. Um, and we'll be planning on uh, a lot more episodes soon, uh, focused on Ohio and, and probably specifically the Cleveland market. But yeah, we just get, we get so many questions from people about like, where should I buy? How much can I make on this? And so we're going to do things like um, deep dives into the market. Um, we talked some about you know, regulations. So we're going to talk about um, what's going on in the regulatory space in Cleveland and the surrounding markets. Um, yeah, just kind of how we analyze properties, what we're thinking about, um, where we're buying and telling other people to buy and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I just want to be a resource for, for anyone that wants to invest or is already investing in the, in the area here. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, you're going to be at the, uh, the, the conference next month as well. Um, yeah. Nashville. Yeah. The, short-term short-term rental wealth conference or something like that right in, in nashville I'm, I'm probably screwing up the the title here well I'm either way i'll pro- be there as well avery speaking at <laughs> yeah. that one we'll uh, see you there yeah i'll see you there it'll be a lot of fun uh, yeah. Marcus, yeah. did you have something else you're gonna say yeah no i was just gonna say you know a lot of people also ask us like you manage short-term rentals in cleveland like who would ever come to cleveland so for anyone that's skeptical pay us a visit you can stay at one of our places We'll definitely show you a good time. And yeah, Cleveland's cool. You just you just got to come here. Yeah, Luke, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If you That's haven't right. been, you got to come check right. it out. Well, Rock and Roll. Yeah, uh, short-term rental uh, wealth conference is March 20th through the 22nd in Nashville. Uh, so we'll see you guys there. That'll be fun. And uh, uh, Mark, congratulations on uh, getting married. That's awesome, too. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, thank you. And uh, thank you for coming. And, uh, and uh, as always, don't overthink it. Amen.